Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting, toe-curling relationships in midlife. This is episode number 340, Tantric Dating, Bringing Love and Awareness to the Dating Process. I'm going to be speaking with author and marriage and family therapist, Catherine Amon. And if you're curious about what tantric dating is, you're going to find out in just a few minutes. But first, for those of you who are new to Last First Date Radio, welcome. And I want to share a little bit about how this show and my coaching business came to be. When I was about 50 years old, I left a 23-year marriage, and I made a vow that I was going to do the things that I was meant to do in this world, to make a bigger impact, to stop playing small. I was a great supporting role in everybody's life, and now it was my time to really do what I was meant to do. So I became a certified life coach, and And then I started specializing in helping women over 40 with dating and relationships. And that's how this show came about. And this is about five or six years in the running. And then I started about a year or two ago realizing that I wanted to do more than just dating and relationships. I wanted to focus on the part of my work that really resonated most for the women I worked with. And I call that being a woman of value. This is uh, a new business that I just started. It's called The Woman of Value, and my website is under construction. I get to look at it for the first time tomorrow. It's really exciting. And I'm already working in companies to help women at work value themselves more, to speak up, to play bigger games, to speak up more powerfully and stand up for what matters most to them. In short, to become a woman of value and to get the respect and the rewards that they deserve. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become a woman of value. And this week's tip is love is your birthright. This was a hard concept for me when I first heard it. I'm like, what do you mean love is my birthright? But if you think about it, we are all born pure beings. And it is our birthright to have love and to be love. And so... If you're ever feeling hopeless about love, just think about that fact that you were born a baby into this world to love and be loved. And whatever your beginnings were, some of us did not have such great beginnings. You deserve to have love and to be loved and to give love. So before I bring Catherine on, I just wanted to let anybody who doesn't yet know that I have a free Facebook group and it's called Your Last First Date. Don't forget the your. And this is a group for women over 40. It is a very, very um, dynamic group. We have about 2,800 women in there. And we have eight monitors. So we have monitors who monitor the page every single day, in addition to me being in there, so that we keep the group forward-focused and no man bashing. We want to help you to go on your last first date. And so it doesn't really help to dwell on the negativity. It just creates like a cancer in the group. So we're very, very strict about guidelines. If you're looking for a group like that, please join us, Your Last First Date on Facebook. 
And now for my guest, Catherine Amon. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the director of the Transpersonal Counseling Center in L.A. She has advanced training in traditional psychology as well as the wisdom tradition. And she speaks twice a month in L.A. about how to find love and happy relationships. She's also the author of two books, including the book she's going to be speaking about today, Tantric Dating, Bringing Love and Awareness to the Dating Process. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, hi, Sandy. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. I, lo- I um, love that. Uh, love is your birthright. I'm very excited. I've uh, been thinking about that since you mentioned love is your birthright. I love that. Mm, so what, what's your take on that? I think, as you said, some of us come from difficult families, and we... Uh, struggle a bit before we claim that and uh, create it in our life. And then we realize it's everywhere uh, if we open up to it. Yeah, it's hard for people sometimes to open it, open to it, but it is there. Um, so thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, yeah, so how, how did you, I shared about how I got into my business. I, I always like to ask my guests how they got into the work they do. But was there a pivotal moment or something that inspired you to do the work you do? Well, I, um, I did come from a difficult childhood, so I was in therapy a lot, and I decided to become a therapist. And then when I turned 50, I decided to come out of the closet and uh, incorporate my spiritual spirituality with my therapy and at the at that time that was a risky thing to do because um there was the mainstream yoga hadn't even become mainstream yet and um i remember at one hospital i was a therapist at someone mentioned they were going to have a yoga class and the the administration was all upset that they were having something so weird (laughs) so i i um I decided at 50 that I'm going to come out of the closet as a person who's interested in meditation and sacred sexuality and um, alternate forms of knowing and so forth and um, serve the community who are also interested in that, which here in California is uh, actually a large number of people. And I think it's growing Mm -hmm. all the time with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle and so forth. Yeah. So, so at the time that you did it though, it wasn't as, as mainstream as it is now. Exactly. Yeah. And then how I it's, how I got into the time. I'm sorry. No, it takes courage. So I give you credit. It takes courage to follow your bliss and to incorporate the authenticity of you, because you know we are going to end up alienating some people when we show up as our full self. But I think we ultimately draw in the right people. So I give you credit then, for that. And then living knowing you're on your right track and that you get to be yourself is worth anything. And I think turning 50 really gives us that courage of like, I'm old enough now to do and say what I want. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I love that. And, and hang out with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. You were going to say something else before I interrupted you there. Oh, I was going to say that I got into the tantric dating and... and uh, veering more towards uh, relationship counseling, I had another pivotal birthday and I realized that I had a successful career. I had moved into the uh, doing the kind of therapy that I wanted to do and I realized I had everything in my life except 
I loved what you said, the toe curling relationship. <laughs> I'd been married married twice before, and I'd had a various relationships, but I'd never found the love of my life. So five years ago, I set out to do whatever it took to find the love of my life. And I, I went on five online dating sites, and I went to a lot of meetups, and I hired a coach, and I went back to therapy, and I did whatever I could. And a year and a half ago, I'm happy to say I met the right person and uh, so that's how I uh, then people started asking me how did you do that and um, as you said in my bio at the beginning I've been actually been asked to speak twice a month in LA and help other people with how I did that what I learned Mm. well I think that's awesome Um, and and I think First of all, I want all of our listeners to hear your process because you didn't just say, oh, I hope I meet him one day, and if it's meant to be, he will drop out of the sky and show up at my door. (laughs) You pulled out all the stoppers here. Like, you did it all. And I I think that people have to realize that if you really want something badly enough, you've got to really put the effort in. It doesn't just happen. That's a total lie. I think that's the number one reason that people don't find a partner, especially mm-hmm. women, is that we, uh, and there are often coaches who will say this too, that you just wait and it's sort of a law of attraction. If you're doing the right thing, he'll magically appear. And um, it's, a, it's a Disneyland fantasy that we've had since we were little girls and we're grown women now. And I, uh, I've met women in our 70s who are still waiting And I didn't want to be one of them. I found that I had to put in uh, pretty much a a part-time job after work to do whatever I could think of to really make this happen. And I am not sorry with anything that I did, but I do. That's one of the things I mostly talk to people about is that if you really want this, you need to go for it. You need mm-hmm. to do whatever, be willing to do whatever it takes. And um, we're not in our 20s anymore. We're not in, on college campuses where men are everywhere, most of us. And just will, mm-hmm. just going to see how beautiful we are and swoop down. Most of the men today are uh, normal human beings. They're nervous. And um, I've talked to quite a few men who say, you know, some of the, some of the advice to women is that, um, you know, if he's really attracted to you, he'll come up and talk to you. So just wait for the guys mm-hmm. who are really attracted. Most of the men I talk to say if they're really attracted to you, they'll be too scared to talk to you. So, mm-hmm. so rather than sitting and waiting, I'd rather go up and if I'm interested in uh, a man, maybe just break the ice and see if he's interesting to talk to. I love that. I, I, I can't tell you how much I, I love that you shared that because the topic comes up, especially in my, day, in my group on Facebook, that, you know, that men will pursue you and you should not be chasing men. And it's another one of those myths. And I think what it's kind of lost in translation. So I think that what we have to do is, is maintain our dignity and we have to create attraction and we have to give green lights, though, to the men who we're interested in because a lot of men don't really read the subtle signs that women think they're so obvious about. And I I just got off with a client this morning. I was talking about this 
that if you really want something, you have to be so clear about what it is that you want. And, and women get upset that men can't read their minds, that they don't realize, like, you know, I've left so many hints, that I love flowers, why doesn't he bring them to me? You know, have you ever said to him clearly, I love when you bring me flowers, especially those yellow roses. <laughs> like, that makes me really happy. Like, no, it's, hey, flowers are nice. I really like them. That's a really different statement. And people are like, but men should know that. Come on, we're being so obvious. So I think it's just we have to really stop believing in all the myths of our, our childhood, of the media, and, and really just go after what we want and speak up and flirt and approach men. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, we're, we're over 40 now, and we certainly wouldn't have an idea that our perfect careers are going to drop into our laps. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have the idea that our friendships just drop into our laps anymore. Even our friendships take some effort to get them scheduled and get meeting with people. And I think we get this idea that men are some sort of mythic creatures and they're, they're some sort of Marvel superheroes. And they're just guys. Yeah. You know, they're just guys. Not superheroes. And they, yep. they know most of them. I'm a big advocate, a big fan of men, but most of them know much less about relationships than we do. They are Mm -hmm. not out for just one thing. Most of them are afraid to have sex with someone they don't know. They're afraid to approach. These are decent, wonderful men. I'm not talking about just um, nerdy guys. I'm talking about wonderful men. Um, They're just kind of clueless in terms of what we're we're expecting of them. And I, I love what you said about laying it out clearly. It's very helpful for men to know mm-hmm. very clearly how they can please us. Mm-hmm. They don't know if they're well, the right man. the old-fashioned pursuit. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the right man wants to make a woman happy, and the wrong man doesn't. So that's your answer. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, if, right? If you're clear, you're going to find out way sooner than if you wait and hint and, and hope. Ah, yeah, that's part of the beauty of aging. So let's get into the topic of today because um, I know that I'm curious what tantric dating is and how is it different from conventional dating? Well, I um, I studied tantra in India and people immediately think, oh, that's about sex, you know, orgies and stuff there, which we actually were not <laughs> doing, but... Tantra actually uh, at its root means that everything is sacred instead of just some things are sacred. So I grew up in a kind of religion where certain things were bad and certain things were good and pretty much anything that was fun wasn't good. (laughs) I don't know if any of your listeners grew up in that type of religion. (laughs) But um, Tantra, (laughs) so Tantra was a religion that said even sex could be sacred. So it got the mm-hmm. reputation as being a sex religion, but actually it was it was a subset of everything sacred, including sex. So when you take this philosophy that everything's sacred, everything is good, if we're in the present moment, everything's perfect. I tried to incorporate that uh, worldview with dating here, conventional dating, and I realized in conventional dating, we're always trying to find out what's wrong with the other person. And we're always assuming something's wrong with us. 
So we go down these long lists on the dating sites and they go, no, you know, the whole swiping left thing. We're swiping mm-hmm. left very quickly. We're eliminating people very quickly. We sit down for a coffee date with someone and we're immediately looking for how it won't work. And we're assuming that we'll be assessed that way too. We're too old. We're not pretty enough. We're not the right body type. We're not this. We're not that. And everybody else is not this and not that. And I realized that by practicing this sort of dating, we're practicing becoming less loving people. And by practicing becoming less likely loving people, we, be, we the likelihood of finding love becomes actually less. So what I started doing, when I first started dating five years ago online, I was like everyone else. I was no, no, no. And I started trying to incorporate these tantric principles of how about if I sit down on this coffee date with this new man, and even if we're not going to become lifetime partners, which is actually quite unlikely because most people you meet are not going to become your best friend, I'm going to practice what's right with this person just as a sort of little discipline. And Mm -hmm. seeing what's right with him and how lovely this encounter could be and how full of love it could be. And I started noticing by practicing this sort of attitude, I found myself becoming a loving, more loving person. And I believe that's why I was able to attract the love of my life because I was able to raise my own frequency to be a loving enough person to attract love. The relationships I'd attracted before had been more about what are we unhappy with? How are we correcting each other? He's not bringing me the right kind of flowers. He's not doing the, Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I don't think I can stay with you because of this. It was supposed to be yellow roses, damn it, not red. And always looking for what's wrong. And actually when we switch to a more loving sort of approach of how is this perfect in the present moment, then love can blossom there. We become in the frequency of love instead of the frequency of what's not love. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and you know, when I meet a new client, I'm always looking at what lies underneath all the veils and all the garbage that we put in front of who we are to believe that we're not attractive enough and we're not worthy of love. Because I can see their, their highest self, which they can't yet see. And so it's not that you're worse or better than somebody else. It's really about taking away all that garbage and looking for what's positive. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of the same approach I take to my, my group, my Facebook group. You know, we focus on the positive. We focus on growth. We don't focus on what's wrong with men. Why do men do this? Who cares why men do this? <laughs> you know, ask yourself, why did I put up with that behavior and what am I learning? Like, it doesn't really matter sure. why. We don't know the answers to those questions. Um, so I, sure. I think that's such a such great advice. Um, help you to become more loving and, and to attract in the right man. And did he notice... Reason, uh, he noticed... Like, the, the question is, did, did he notice how you were different from other women. Did I notice that? No, did he notice that about you because you had raised your vibration? Like, did he comment on how loving you were? And, like, is that something that drew him in? 
Well, he's a very uh, loving person. He um, he has a warm uh, family support network. He was a loving father to a disabled child. And I don't think that I, unless I raise my vibration, I don't think I would have been able to see how great he is. I mean, he's handsome and successful and so forth, but I think I would have been looking for what wasn't right and what wouldn't have worked for me. And I think by being in that um, state of being able to rise to the level of love that he's capable of, he had been married, he was a widower, and he had been married, uh, he was capable of love for a long time. And the guys that I was dating before reflected my own uh, kind of... uh, less loving qualities because they were only capable of maybe staying in a relationship for three months or they were always telling me what wasn't right about me or what, how I wasn't good enough for them indirectly or directly. And I, so mm. I think I was able to raise to the frequency of a man who was truly loving instead of a man who was maybe not quite capable of as much love. Mm. And we have just yeah. been able to be focusing with each other on what's going right um, gently pointing out when things might need a little attention, talking them through, but in a climate of love rather than criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes all I the think, difference. I really, I would like to just say I really love that that you uh, in your Facebook group you're not allowing any man bashing, and I a lot of the answer that I find with the people I coach when they're like, why did he do that? Why didn't he text back? Why did he ghost me? Almost always he was afraid. Mm-hmm. Almost always yeah. he was afraid. He was afraid to, he's afraid of relationship or he's afraid because you're so great and he doesn't know that he can be with someone as great as you or he's just nervous about relationships or he's afraid that he's getting too vulnerable or, you know, we always, well, part of this, um, this uh, fantasy myth that men have it all together is that, um, you know, they're up to ulterior motives or something. Usually they're just kind of light. Uh, what I find is they're just kind of befuddled and and don't really know what to do. So I think that's the answer of why he acted this way or why he why he didn't call me back or anything like this. Yeah, that's a really great point. I think we immediately react because of our own feeling of rejection um, and our own fears. So when somebody, when somebody ghosts you, when somebody, even a friendship, um, somebody just ices you out, you know, and just stops talking to you, it's, it's always something underlying with them. And I think exactly. we, we spend so much time, like, in our heads instead of just either talk it out from a place of love or move on to somebody who's less afraid um, and who's worked on their wounds and is willing to be vulnerable. Um, so let's, let's talk about rejection because I know that um, you've said there's really no such thing as rejection, and I would love to hear your thoughts about that. So most everyone's really frightened of rejection, and one thing I had to learn to really in three and a half years find the love of my life was that rejection is not personal. It's not a comment on me. Almost always women interpret in- rejection as proof that I'm not attractive enough. That's proof mm-hmm. that I'm not lovable. That's proof that I'm not. And it's actually proof of nothing other than this just isn't a good fit. It's nothing personal mm-hmm. about it. If we go to a networking meeting and we meet 
another woman and we think it might be fun to have coffee with her and then she's too busy to ever get together. We don't interpret that as rejection. When we make friends with somebody and we uh, meet with them a couple times and then the friendship doesn't go anywhere, we don't interpret that as rejection. And the things that we say to ourselves in those circumstances are the exact things we could say to ourselves about dating. If we meet someone and we like them more than they like us, we could just not take it personally and just say, well, he obviously has poor taste. (laughs) Or it's not a match. Or that doesn't work for me either because I want someone who really likes me. And learning Mm -hmm. to have a different uh, attitude towards rejection is one, and being coached on that, was one reason I was able to keep going I had a, a 150 first dates, and then within in that three and a half years, and within all those dates, there were second dates and third dates, and a lot of guys who didn't want me, and and um, that's good. It's good that they didn't because I was able to keep moving until I found the perfect one for me. But it, it involved mm-hmm. interpreting this thing of rejection, and rejection really only hurts if you value the other person's opinion more than your own. So Mm. if they don't want to see you again and you think their opinion of you is that you're no good and you think their opinion matters more than your own opinion that you are good, then you'll be hurt by it. But Mm -hmm. if you know that you're a valuable enough person to be loved and they don't agree with you, then you're just like, okay, good, I'll go on to the next person. Mm Mm-hmm. So it really takes, I think think everyone who's still single could really think through this issue of rejection and reframe it for themselves in a way that's not painful. There used to be the governor of Texas, Ann Richards, this is going way back. She was a personal hero of mine. And she said that she has, now she was vivacious and outgoing and everyone loved her. But she said, I have to meet about 100 people before I meet one who will be a friend. And I thought, wow. Mm that is a good rule of thumb because we do meet a hundred people and how many do we actually become friends with? And yet in Mm -hmm. dating, we take it personally and we don't need to take it personally that we need to meet a hundred guys before one will really click. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Dating, dating's a lot of work, but after you meet the 99 and you're, and you meet the one, you go, wow, the 99 was worth it. Mm -hmm. For me, it was more than 99. But if someone if someone's struggling someone's struggling with the idea of how much work it takes, um, I just say anything valuable in life is worth working towards. Yes, I agree. And our careers are worth working up, towards. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not, none of this came easy. But I I think also, you know, if you show up on dates the way you described and in this tantric dating style where you're loving and you're looking for what's right and not what's wrong and you're seeing what you can learn from this person and what they, how, how you can also impact their lives. I mean, I, I, I started doing that years ago and, and I never feel that a date is a waste of time. It's always yeah. a learning experience, you know, and we can grow and learn from each encounter we have with dates and with everybody else. I mean, it's the same, you know, you brought up networking. And years ago when I started networking for my own business, so fake. It's like dating. It felt fake and it felt like I was, like, flirting with people in a way that didn't feel authentic. Mm-hmm. And 
who was I? I felt like this whole imposter complex. And because I felt like I had to sell to these people. And that's not true at all, you know. And it, it was about making connections. And once I reframed how I came into networking, I started to love it. And I always end up making a few connections that I keep up with. And you never know where connections will lead you. So it's, it's all enriching your life if you see it that way. That's a great, that's huh. exactly what I'm talking about. Reframing dating that, so that the encounters that we have are meaningful, enjoyable encounters, even if they don't lead to the jackpot. Mm-hmm. Because they probably won't. Each individual date in and of itself is probably not the jackpot. But we can still enjoy meeting another human being, learning more about men, sharing a little bit of love together. And all of that increases our ability to be loving, more open people, less judgmental, and that makes us more likely to be of a frequency that will attract love to us. I love that. Yeah, when you are more loving and open and you're allowing yourself to let somebody in, um, you, you end up creating intimacy. You end up creating a safe space for somebody to come into your life and you're much more attractive. I, I think people don't realize that the guards they put up, it's like that wall of, I dare you to cross this. I dare you mm. to hurt me because the last guy hurt me and I'm still bringing him. Mm. He's sitting right next to me here, right? And uh, yeah. you know, we don't realize that. I, I, I once had a client whose boyfriend said to her, I'm not the guy who hurt you. Like it, he came out and said nice. it to her, like, it wasn't me. So this is, this is awesome advice to reframe dating so all the encounters you have are meaningful, even if you don't hit the jackpot. I think if nothing else, if people take that away today, they will have learned some really golden nuggets. Um, so thank you. I can't believe we're at time already here, Catherine. But um, if you can share with our audience how they can find you, reach you, and be in touch, that would be great. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a lot of YouTube videos. If you go to my YouTube channel, there is about 60 videos about dating and tantric dating and relationships and so forth that I'm happy to share with you. On my website also, they're all under my name. Should I spell it, Sandy, or should I just, um, will they see sure. it underneath can, the... Uh... Well, they will see it in the show notes, and they'll see it if they log okay. into Blog Talk Radio, but if they're on iTunes or another um, platform, they will not see it. So, yeah, spell it out for everybody. Okay, my name is Catherine, which is spelled with a C, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. My last name is Aumann, A-U-M-A-N. So connect with me on Facebook, check out my website, check out my YouTube channel. Just let me know how I can help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for for being on my show today, for doing this beautiful work in the world, for helping people have loving relationships and loving themselves more. Well, thank you, Sandy, and thank you for your work. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening in today. And if you love our show, please go to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really helps more people find us. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. 